Good morning. How are you? It's good to see all of you guys this morning. If I haven't had a chance to, to meet you yet, my name is Brian. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the, the privilege today uh, to, to, to introduce all of us uh, into to week three of the series that we started a few weeks ago called The Art of, of Neighboring. What we're learning together, this is, this is more of an art than a science that's it's nuanced and it's, it's intricate and there's sometimes it's, it's confusing and it's hard. And so we've been talking about some of the ways that, that those nuances play into our life and try to, try to make ourselves more effective in the way that we neighbor other people. We've, we, we decided a couple weeks ago that neighbor was going to be a verb, that we're going to go out and we're going to neighbor well. And I think that one of the things that, that keeps us from being able to, to neighbor well is fear. We, we get afraid. And I think that there's, there's good reason for that. And I put a few of these, um, just t- taped them here in my notes in my Bible. Uh, that I wanted to read uh, just some headlines uh, for you guys from the news this week. Um, I got these straight off. We're a, we're a WSOC family. We're a Channel 9 family. I don't know. It doesn't matter. I'm not here to promote them or anything. But, but we're, we're a Channel 9 family. So I just went like straight to WSOCTV.com. Scroll down to like headlines for the week, and these, this is what was here. All right, so here, here they are. Um, Manhunt underway after woman after woman was sexually assaulted in an apartment break-in. Deputies say it's encouraging, right? Uh, Mecklenburg County monitors four people for coronavirus. All right, we. We probably knew that. Um, law enforcement searching for missing inmate in Caldwell County. He said he wanted to kill me. Blythe Elementary student shows loaded gun to classmates on bus, police say. But go out and be neighbors to people because it's awesome and it's safe and it's fun and it's easy. Right? You see, we, we live right now in an unprecedented time where we have access to news stories. Just, that was just from this week. We, we live in a time where we have unprecedented access to news 24 hours a day. I remember growing up, like, we watched the news at 5 o'clock in the evening because that's when the news came on. And if you missed it, you were just kind of in the dark until the next day or until you read the newspaper. You guys remember those? Right? right? Now they're just good for uh, putting down when you're going to paint something. Like, that's like, that, like, but I, re- I remember not having access to that. And now not only do, do we have access to it 24 hours a day through the news websites and things, but even my social media, I typically hear about things on social media before I ever hear about them from any kind of news outlet. And I'm on social media quite a bit. And so I, I, there's this constant flood of information, and most of it is, is bad. And it's scary because that's the stuff that garners attention. And so why would they not report the things that scare us the most? So here's what that does to us. It, it creates this, this kind of baseline Right, like I'm, I'm an electronics technician from way back, and so I understand like positive and negative voltage thing and, and baseline. Like that's like your that's your that's like your starting point to, to determine whether something is is good or whether something is bad. Like you have this kind of baseline thing in electronics. But so we kind of walk around with our baseline, 
is, is not this kind of neutral place, but our baseline is, is this, this, this line of kind of low-level but always present fear of people, of situations, of the unknown. And walking around with that measure of fear, it, it creates roadblocks for us in our efforts to be good neighbors. Because what happens if I try to, to do fill in the blank, to be a good neighbor and fill in the blank happens? Like, can I really trust my, my security? Can I, can I really be safe? in trying to be a good neighbor. And it, it get these, these, this low-level baseline fear, it gets in our way of creating and nurturing the relationships with people around us that we've learned already in this series that God is, is calling us to. In, in the great commandment, we talked about this every week, Jesus affirmed the correct answer when asked what the most important thing was that this, this guy, this lawyer responds to Jesus and says, what's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus is like, yeah, that's right, you got it. And in part of that, the second half of the great commission or the great commandment rather, the second half of the great commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. And how are we supposed to do that when there are so many dangerous situations and people, what do we do with the fear that keeps us from being good neighbors? Because it's that very fear that keeps us away from the unknown and keeps us away from people that we don't know. Now, there's, there's an account in, in the Old Testament. And I, I want to draw some parallels. I'm always pretty careful when teaching an Old, Old Testament text that we don't um, make ourselves the nation of Israel. But... But I think there's a lot of parallels into what we're going to read in this account in Scripture out of the book of Numbers today that, that, that parallel the way that God is calling us to be good neighbors. God was also calling the nation of Israel to take a step of faith. It takes a step of faith for us to go and be good neighbors. It was going to take a step of faith for them to inherit that which God had promised to them. And this is how it played out. Let's read it together. Uh, Numbers chapter 13. I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm going to skip through. I, I, I kind of deleted out um, for the purposes of time this morning some verses so we can kind of walk through the story. I promise I didn't leave out anything that changes the story or the context, but if you want to go and read it for yourself, I'd encourage you to do so. Numbers 13, I'm going to start in verse 1 and then we'll skip down. So uh, the Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land I am giving to the Israelites. Let's stop for just a second. Did God just make a promise? Yes. God just said, there is a land. It is called Canaan, and I am giving it to the Israelites. I am going to do this thing. What thing? I'm going to give this land to the Israelites. Have I adequately emphasized this part of the verse? You guys good? You got it? I, I wanted to make a big deal about it. I want to make sure, but if I need to do it again, I can jump up and down. I can get louder, whatever you need. This is the land that I, God, am giving to the Israelites. All right, let's move on. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. Skipping down to verse 17. Moses 
gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see. Skip down to verse 27. This was it. So they did it. Right? They did everything that Moses asked. They went into the land. They investigated. They explored it for 40 days. They come back and then in verse 27, this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Insert visual here of them presenting fruit. All right. Uh, big, grapes as big as your head, I think, is what the Scripture says. But the but, here comes the but, right? This would be, be a really boring story if there wasn't a but. Here's the but. But... The people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. The descendants of Anak, they said it twice. They were really scared of these people from Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. And then look at the response. Next chapter, chapter 14. Then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they complained. If only we, if only we had died before now, we'd be better off, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle, our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Now, I don't know how much you know about the story of the nation of Israel and Egypt, but they were slaves in Egypt. And here they are, standing outside of this land, and the, the men that Moses sends in to report, they come back and they're like, yeah, the land's great, but the people are way too big for us to beat. And this is their response. Oh, we were better off as slaves. But wait, wait. Do you guys remember that part that I emphasized at the beginning of the reading? Do you remember that? What, what did God say? This is the land that I am giving to the Israelites. And their response, right, we were better off dead. God led them, directed them called them, presented them with an opportunity to inherit this bountiful land full of wonderful milk and honey and fruit. And their response is, no, we can't win. We're better off dead. And this is my point. You see, fear, fear is a matter of perception. Fear is what we perceive. It could be authentic, it could be real, it could be fabricated. 
But regardless of what the nature or the cause of our fear is, it is toxic. If, if left unchecked, it grows inside of us and it prevents us from living the kind of life that God would have us to live. Now, I read to you a bunch of news stories at the beginning, and, and the fact that remains that there are, some, there are some terrifying people. There are some scary situations. There are some circumstances that are, that are around us from time to time that, that are not at all appealing or desirable. But, but the fact remains, just like the songs that we just sang a few minutes ago, that that God is good, that God is in control, that God is a, a way maker and a miracle worker and a promise keeper. He is, he is all of those things. And for those of us that have a relationship with God who has not only saved us from our sin but called us to a life of being good neighbors and loving other people well, he does that in spite of the circumstances, situation, and scary people that we may one day encounter. That it's God knew, God knew that you were going to encounter people that are scary and situations that are terrifying. God knew that. Yet, He called you to love your neighbor as yourself. It's not like God didn't know there were giants in the land of Canaan. But he led the nation of Israel there and said, all right, y'all go take it. And they're like, oh, we can't do that. Ultimately saying to God, God, you're not big enough. I know what you said, God. I just don't think you can do it. And when we allow ourselves to give in to fear. Ultimately, what it does for us is it, cre- it creates in us this, these blinders with which we walk through the world. And, and, and what it does is it isolates us. It, it, we, we feel like we're, we're insulating ourselves. I would use the word insulate. We feel like we're, we're protecting ourselves. We're kind of in our own little bubble. You obviously bubble boy. Like I feel like we're kind of in our own little bubble, just protected from everything external, and we're trying to insulate ourselves from the danger that is around us. But ultimately what that leads us to is isolation. Our insulation in result of fear creates isolation. You can write this down. Fear leads to isolation. That's what it does. When we walk around with this, with this base level, low-lying fear, it prevents us from walking into and stepping fully and giving ourselves fully and boldly into the relationships that God has called us to as Christians. When he called us to be good neighbors and to love people as we love ourselves. And here, here's, here's the problem with fear leading to isolation is that isolation is the antithesis to the second half of the great commandment. So if we could, y'all, y'all know I'm a math nerd, like I like equations, right? So if fear leads to isolation and isolation is the antithesis or the opposite of what we're called to in the great commandment, ergo, fear leads to us not fulfilling the great commandment to love others as ourself. It's fear that does that. It's fear that creates that in us. It's fear that prevents us from accomplishing that which God has called us to. 
because it creates that filter that causes us to walk around blindly, missing the opportunities to love those that need it most. You know, maybe it's someone that you, you see on the side of the street and they, you know, just asking for money or whatever, but you tell yourself, oh, if I, you know, if I roll down the window, like what happens? Or if, if I go to step further, if I give them a ride, like what's my car going to smell like? What are they going to do? Like, wh- like wh- what happens if, if I invest a little and they ask for more? Then, then what do I do? Have I not obligated myself in this, this fear of going too far and spending too much and doing too much and being too involved? It handcuffs us from doing anything at all. And we stop short of fulfilling the great commandment because we're scared. Because of the fear that inhabits us. We let our minds take the leap to the worst possible case scenario. Why? Because we heard a news story last week of somebody that did the very thing that I'm getting ready to do and it didn't end well. So now I won't do anything either because I don't want to end up like that. And it's so legitimate Nobody would argue with you. You could, come, you could come to your connect group or to a group of your friends this week, and you're like, yeah, like I had this opportunity to do something. I was really going to do it, but I thought, what if? And everybody, I thought, what if I, what if I invest? What if I offer a ride? Or what if I, 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 I you know, offer some money? Or what if I offer to come to their house and help? Or what if I offered to, to, to talk to their daughter for them? Or what if I offer what if, what if, what if, what if, and? What if I do this and they reject me? What if I do this and it's not enough and they ask me for more? What, what if I give a little and feel obligated to go further? And, and that's not a place that I'm comfortable with. What if, what if, what if? And you can tell your what if stories all day long. And, and, and in most cases, and I hope this isn't going to be the case in our connect groups, especially now after this message, you come in and you tell your what if story and everybody goes, yep, I wouldn't have done it either. And then you feel justified in your actions. You feel justified in your disobedience to the great commandment to love somebody else well because you can always find somebody to agree with you, can't you? You can always find somebody that would have done the same thing and you feel completely justified in your disobedience, in in your lack of willingness to do that which God has called us to when we know that it's what he's We know that it's him that's leading us to engage, to interact, to to, to go further, to invest more, to give more of ourselves. Maybe I alluded to this a minute ago, but maybe it's not so much fear of, of harm or danger or whatever, but it's just that fear of drama, right? And I've I think in the past I've probably erroneously preached messages where I said, don't get involved with drama, just stay away. And I like to go back and punch that version of Pastor Brian from years ago where I talked about staying away from that stuff because I don't think we engage in drama unnecessarily, but my gosh, we talked about muddy feet a few weeks ago or dirty feet, right? In order for you to invest in the lives of people that God is calling you to invest in, it's going to require you to get a little bit dirty. And that means you're going to have to embrace some drama. You're going to have to go, you're going to have to invest more than you want to invest. You're going to have to give time you don't want to give. And you're going to have to give of yourself in ways that you are not comfortable giving. That's what God is calling us to. If it was easy, everybody would do it. If it wasn't love, then it would be easy. But it is love that God has called us to. And love takes time and effort and money and frustration and drama. 
my, uh, my aunt and uncle, Jamie and Debbie, they're here. Um, I typically, before I'm going to ever use anybody in a sermon, I call them beforehand. But I didn't come out. I didn't come up with this until last night at 10 o'clock. And I didn't want to call them then. So I grabbed them walking in the door. I was like, hey, I'm going to talk about y'all this morning. So they didn't know this was coming. They have no idea what I'm getting ready to say. Um, a bunch of years ago now, there was a lady that came to, to our church. And um, she was in a bad way. Just really, really horrible circumstances and situations. Her her story was legit and authentic, and she was homeless and jobless and just pouring herself out before the church and pleading for help. And I was doing the best that I could to help her, and they got wind of the story, and we were talking about it. And they generously welcomed this woman that they had never met and knew very little about into their home. Welcomed her into their house where they lived. For, I don't know, a week or two, it was pretty good. Like, she was helping out with housework, and it was like, it was like man, this might be, she'd keep her forever. Like, she cleans, she cleans up the place, you know. But then some, some weird folks started showing up that she was friends with, and stuff just started going crazy. And I don't even remember. It's been so many years ago. Now, I don't remember all the details. I just remember that it got to a pretty, pretty scary place. And it's like, man, we, we were happy to welcome her into our home, but now it's, we think it's probably time for her to go. Like there's just there, there's some stuff happening. We, we want to help her. We want to love her. We do love her. We want the best for her. But some, something's got to give. And so we ended up, we, we drove her to job interviews. We did all this stuff trying to help her and get her settled. And eventually she, she was out of the house and on her way. And she, she had accommodations. I think she lined up a job and she was doing better and all the other kind of stuff. But... But for them, it got to a point where it's a little bit terrifying. Like we got people showing up at our house at like crazy hours. We don't know who they are or what they're there after, or if she owes them money. We don't, there's there's crazy stuff going on, Brian. Like we're we're scared. We're scared. And wouldn't you be? Sure you would. And like I said, it all worked out. Nobody ended up hurt or in trouble or nothing like that. But man, what a what a powerful story, what it looks like to, to go further, to, to do more, to welcome a stranger with issues into your house, and they did it. You know what's crazy? They just did it again. A couple months, family this time, a, a, a relative, but welcomed another person into their home where they live with issues and problems and struggles and drama. You want to know why? It's not because they weren't afraid. I mean, my gosh, if anybody, if anybody had a precedence in their life of what happens when you welcome people into your house that don't normally live there, if anybody should have known better, if knowing better is the right thing, if anybody should know, it's them. And they did it again. God, give me the faith to do the same. Were they afraid? I, absolutely. But they did it anyway. Because, because they felt like God was leading them to do it. And my hope 
is that we create a culture in our church family where we do the same. I hope it's what we become known for. Them Fusion City Church people, they're crazy. They're not scared of anything. And that's never going to be true. It's never going to be true that we're not scared. I hope it's true that we do what God is calling us to anyway. That's what I want for us. See, the genius, the genius of God's call on our lives to love our neighbors is that it, it brings people closer and closer together. And it allows us to hear their story. And, man, when you hear the stories of people, doesn't it always soften your heart? To, to know, like, how they got to where they are? It, it always changes it for me. Even if I have a snap judgment that I think things are one way when I hear the story, I always leave feeling a little different. Loving people well gets us to the story. But it also allows us to share ours. Our story. What we get to share with these people in whom we invest, we get to share with them while we as Christ followers have chosen to orient our lives around the teachings of Christ. Like, why would you welcome me into your house? You don't know me. You don't know my drama. You don't know my issues. You just did it. Yeah, you want to know why? Because I've chosen to orient my life around the teachings of Christ. And he said I was supposed to love my neighbor well. I couldn't figure out another way to do it, so I just said, you come live with me. That's a great story. That's a good story. About seven or eight years ago, I, um, I made the decision. I, I preached a message at church back then uh, about making sure that we were creating intentional relationships with non-believers. Sound familiar? I'm doing it again. Um, I preached a message about how we needed to create intentional relationships. I had none. Everybody I hung out with either went to my church or another church. And they were all like the best Christian Christ followers that I knew. The people I was hanging out with people that I looked up to and people that, yeah, Christian people. I, I had nothing but Christian friends. And so I thought, man, where's a great place to meet some non-believers? Ah, the bowling alley. Uh, <laughs> so my dad and my brother were bowling in a league. Um, bowling for me up to this point had been like a date night thing. Like I bowled about four times a year. But I joined a bowling league. And I started hanging out with my dad and my brother and uh, Chris, our children's director. He's over there with your kids right now. We, we, we started a bowling league together. And every year we got into the same league, the same league, every year after year. And it was always it was, you know, primarily the same people year after year after year after year. And over the course of these years, these people have, have become friends. And it's been the long game. And it's, I mean, bowling's not terribly expensive, but week, we pay every week. Every week we pay the bowl. Every week we pay the bowl. We do that for 36 weeks a year. I've done it for eight or nine years. You do the math. I don't want to. It's a lot of money. I like bowling. It's not all, like, I don't want to sound like, oh, poor pitiful me. I spent all this money. Like, I enjoy bowling. Um, but it's been a lot of money. It's been a lot of time. It's been a lot of investment in people. And a few, about a month ago, um, I don't know where my kids were. I'm a little glad they weren't in the car. 
but we, we went to the cookout here in Kannapolis. If you guys are familiar right there on 29, we went to the cookout, and we, we did the one where you pull around the side of the building. And so we're at the side of the building, and if you guys know, like, the building's here, and we're parked here. And on the other side of the building, there's a little, like, walk-up area where you can walk up and order food, and there's, like, a little area where you can kind of hang out. And there were some guys, just some, some dudes hanging out outside of the, uh, outside of the, the cookout at the, like, walk-up window. And we're sitting there in a rolling window down, and I'm paying for our food, and they're handing me all this stuff, and there's some guys standing there. And one of them looks, you can see him kind of like bending and looking or whatever, and he says, Bron. And I looked up and was like, hey, man. And he walks over to our window. And I'll, <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to forget this. Um, he walks up to the window, and I'm going to let me give you the PG church edit version. Um, he says, man, I thought I recognized that MFR. My wife was mortified. It was awesome. She's like, I just assumed that was some other, like, youth pastor or church dude that you knew. And he was walking up to say, hey. And it was a dude from the bowling alley. She's terrified. I'm excited. I was like, he didn't see Pastor Brian from Fusion City Church, he saw Brian, a dude from the bowling alley, and wanted to come over and say, hey, like, I've made an impact. I've got a friendship where it, that with some dude that thinks it's perfectly acceptable to call me an MFer in front of my wife. I guess this is the greatest day ever. It worked. It took me six years of bowling and spending $14 a week. For somebody to call me an MFer, it worked. <laughs> and then a week after, I met the bowling alley. And the president of our league, who's an older gentleman, he walks up. And uh, we're getting, we're kind of putting shoes on and getting ready to warm up and all this other kind of stuff. And he says, hey, um. Man, I know you work at a church. He said, my wife have, has esophageal cancer. And I really wish that you would add her to your prayer list at the church. Or, or to your list. Whatever you guys do for prayer, I just ask that you would that you'd add her. Here's her name. He told me her name. And I said, that is, I'll put her on the list. Mine and any others that I can get her on. But let's pray right now. And we did. So right there in Foxfire Lanes, right behind lanes seven and eight, wearing my bowling shoes, I prayed with a man that all he knows is that I'm a dude that hangs out at the bowling alley and I work for a church. And I had an opportunity to pray in a bowling alley. That's what this is all about. That's what it looks like. That's what it feels like to, to play the long game. This, we're not in this for like a, hey, let me be nice to you for a week so you'll come to church and get saved. It's not, it's not what it is. It's the long game. So if, if fear is what keeps us from accomplishing the second half of the great, great, great commandment, what, what do we do? We're not going to stop being afraid. Afraid. We can't stop being scared. The world's not going to stop being terrible. 
Just because we, we commit ourselves to this thing, what do we do? Let, let me ask some better questions. I wrote them down because I didn't want to get them wrong. I want to ask you some better questions. Did God lead the Israelites to Canaan? Do your heads like this. Yes. Was it scary? Do your heads like this. Yes. Yes, it was scary. Were they obedient? No. No, they weren't. Let me ask you some other questions. Is God calling you to be a good neighbor? Say yes. Is it scary? Yeah. Will you be obedient? My hope is that our answer will be, we'd be better off in slavery. We'd be better off dead. That's become the new criteria about whether or not something was dangerous, right? But did you die, right? You guys heard it? But did you die? What if you did? What if it cost you your life to be obedient? For me, I hope this is true. I want to believe that this is true. I'd rather die obedient than live disobedient. I'd rather die in my obedience. And I hope that if that happens, if I die in my obedience, I want Pastor Jonah to do the set list that we started with today at my funeral where we sing about how good God is. Where we sing about how he's a way maker and he keeps promises and he works miracles. And that he is the king of the world despite my circumstances. And I want to I preach that over my family. That, yeah, he died, but he died in obedience doing that which God has called him to. And I want to be celebrated, not because I was great, but because in spite of fear, I decided to do it anyway. That's, that's my application. If you're, that's, that's, that's how I'm ending. That's where I want to land. What do you do when fear keeps you or would keep you from being obedient to the great commandment? What, would you, what do you do when you're afraid? You do it anyway. You do it anyway. Now, maybe you've seen the, 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 the saying or the phrase that, that courage is not the absence of fear. It's the willingness to press on in spite of it. And when we talk about what it means to be a Christ follower, we use words like courage and boldness and faith and steadfastness. That, those are the words we use. All of those mean the same thing, that in spite of what scares me, I will do it anyway because God deserves it, because God is with me, and because God leads me through it. So my hope is that as we begin to share some of these stretch stories in our connect groups, as we begin to talk about them with our friends and with our family and we tell them what, what's going on here at Fusion City Church, my hope, here, here's what I hope. I hope, I hope it happens this week. I hope it happens today in our Sunday groups that meet and all throughout the week. I hope some of our stretch stories that we tell this week sound like this. I felt like God was leading me to fill in the blank. Man, I was scared. I was scared that if I got involved, that, fill in the blank. 
but, because every good story has a but. I was scared, but did it anyway. That's my stretch story. Let's pray together. Father, God, help us to tell good stories. Help us to tell good stories. Help us to tell stories that elevate your renown, that make you more famous, that demonstrate our faith in a God who can move mountains, who can protect, who can save. God, help us to tell stories of your glory and how wonderful you are and how because you called us to it, we were willing to do it in spite of the things that scare us the most. Father, thank you. Thank you for your promise to be with us, for your promise to do good in spite of us and our insecurities and our shortcomings. God, thank you for being the source of the best story, the one that saved us and compels us to go and be good neighbors to others. We love you, Father. We thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name I pray. Amen.